Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the game. 107.5 The Game. All right, welcome in, everyone. Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Thanks for tuning in. Chris Clark here, Wes Mitchell, joined in studio today. Gamecock football's Nick Gargiulo. Nick, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. I know you were telling us before you have done some radio before. So what's your radio experience? Did you just get in the booth and start playing music or did you <laughs> you done some sports interviews or what? No, I, I had some interviews, uh, you know, during my undergrad that, you know, I was on the radio for a little bit, but yeah. not too much experience. So I'm excited to see what uh, 107.5's got to offer. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, you'll you'll Hopefully be a lot better. Disappoint. Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I feel very under pressure now. You'll be a lot better than the host, I'm sure. We're the worst part <laughs> yeah. of the show, but yeah. So you guys are jumping back in now to uh, off season workouts, going into summer workouts before you hit preseason camp. Um, spring ball obviously wrapped up a while back, so I know we want to look on that. We have a lot of ground to cover, but let's start here. This is your first year in Columbia, so. Uh, what have you thought, just kind of generally, just from a life perspective, uh, about Columbia moving down here? Absolutely. So I, I had a I had a real easy um, transition down here. Um, I think coming into a program uh, after playing college football for four or five years, you, you don't have that um, shock almost uh, of transitioning into the to the football aspect of things. Now, moving away from home and and down to South Carolina from the Northeast, where you know I lived all my life, it's a little bit of a a culture shock, but I think I'm fitting in. Uh, I think I'm fitting in fine down here, so I've been enjoying it thus far. So, has anyone warned you about the Columbia heat yet? <laughs> I heard the worst three things about South Carolina were June, July, and August. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know I if mean, I've heard, it, I heard that, but put it that way. That's the perfect way to oh, put it's it. Perfect. It's perfect. It's whatever you've heard. It's that bad and a little bit worse. <laughs> the, the heat is well, the asphalt too. Like it's the asphalt mm. plus the heat just. It radiates, but I, I do feel like it kind of gets you ready. Like when when you get into a game in September and it's hot out and it's the fourth quarter, it's going to be nothing like what you went through with Luke Day working out with your teammates <laughs> on July seventh in the middle of Columbia. So are, are you ready for that aspect? I, I don't know if I'll be uh, fully ready, but I'll, I'll tell you this: you, you guys are absolutely correct. During all of winter workouts. The guys were telling me, hey, listen, this is bad, but just wait till the summer. <laughs> they would just wait till we do this workout in the heat. So I'm excited. We start up here on uh, on Monday, um, you know, so I'm excited to see how that's going to pan out. So let, let's reverse in time a little bit. Um, how do you end up going from Yale to South Carolina? Like, I, I guess maybe take us to the very beginning when you first heard from South Carolina and kind of how that process played out with you ended up uh, transferring from there to here. Yeah, so I finished up, uh, the Ivy League plays 10 games, and so we finish up right uh, before Thanksgiving every year. There's no postseason. So uh, immediately after that, uh, I entered the transfer portal, and I don't know if I could accurately describe how chaotic the transfer portal is because <laughs> um, it was right during final exam period, and uh, 
And, and so I had a lot going on, but my phone did not stop ringing for about two weeks straight. Um, and so I, I was talking, I, my main purpose, I wanted to play big time football. And so I wanted to, I got the academic experience. I got a, a fantastic Ivy league football experience. Um, but I wanted to play in the sec. I wanted to play in the big 10, um, you know, and, and really test my skills against the best guys in the country. And so, uh, after I entered the trans transfer portal, um, obviously I was getting blown up and, uh, coach limbo came up to new Haven. Um, and we had a little conversation in, uh, in uh, Ray Tompkins' house in, in New Haven. Um, and, and obviously, he gave me a little insight of what South Carolina is all about and, and how it's a culture-driven program, and, and it really resonated with me, and it, it was something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, I came down here on an official visit. You know, within 30 minutes, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, at the end of this, I'll tell Coach Beamer this is where I'm going to end up. So it was, uh, it was a short experience, um, but, it, but it was great. So who else were you kind of considering? I, I guess were were there other schools that were were maybe even close to possibly getting you? Or uh, I mean, obviously once you got down here, you said it was pretty quickly. But who else were you kind of thinking about? I had a uh, I had a lot of interest from uh, Kentucky and, and mm -hmm. Missouri and uh, and a few other SEC schools. But the one that was competing was um, Illinois, and I know that's a that's a little um, different than than South Carolina, but. Obviously, with uh, with Coach Balema and, and his history of offensive linemen, um, I that program is obviously on the uptrend as well. Um, and I really like the, uh, the the O line coach there, Bart Miller. But um, I just couldn't pass up on on the South Carolina opportunity. So it was definitely in the conversation. But um, you, you know, you saw how it ended up. You said it took what thirty minutes or whatever, where you were <laughs> like, "This is where I want to go." So. What was it specifically? I know you were very interested in the SEC, but aside from that, what did you see where you were like, wow? I, I When I came down here, I wanted to know um, pretty much three things. I wanted to know how Coach Teasley and, and Coach Atkins operated. I wanted to know how um, Coach Day operated, and I wanted to know how Coach Beamer operated. And once those three things, once those three guys checked the boxes, it was a, a no-brainer for me. Wait. Uh, I was going to say, we're, we're very big Pete Limbo fans here on this show. That's what I was going to ask, too. So. Uh, yeah, we're, we're reading <laughs> each other's right. minds. But what, um, what did Limbo have when you had that first conversation with Limbo? I got to imagine it maybe bounced around to quite a few different topics. Do you, do you remember your first convo with uh, Coach Limbo? It, uh, he definitely threw some historical facts <laughs> and, and some things that, uh, you know, I had no idea what he was talking about, but I, I put on a, a smile and pretended that I did. Um, but he is, he is a fantastic coach. He, he's an even better person. And he obviously, um, we'll probably get into it at some point, but I played for, uh, coach Reno who, uh, whose son Dante Reno is the, mm -hmm. the four-star quarterback coming in in 2024. Um, but they have such a good relationship with the, that family as well. So when Pete came in, um, it was, uh, it was great for everyone involved. I feel like Pete was probably very at home at Yale, like he, he could be like the head coach at Yale one day. I feel like I, I like uh, the high academic, like absolutely. That's right up his alley. He would, uh, you know, like I said, he would probably be taking some classes while he's coaching too, <laughs> or teaching um, him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, he's got the Italian in him too, so I think that was what uh, that was part of his pitch as well. Um, but he loves the Northeast, so you see all of his tweets. The the Northeast pipeline is is starting up a little bit. All right, so Italian, you gave you gave us a, an easy end for a, a softball for a food segue. All right, so 
Now, where are you from originally? Tell everybody. Uh, I'm from Somers. I'm from Somers, New York. It's a, a suburb about 45 minutes north of the city. Okay, so tell us your favorite Italian dish. I would go with my mom's eggplant parm, and I think there's a large gap between the next uh, the next dish. I feel like there's always when people have pasta opinions. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's always like my mom's blank or my grandma's blank. Like my grandma's meatballs, because it can't be anybody else's. If it's not that person's, it's out. Uh, you couldn't be more right. Well, and I mean, if if mom listens to added benefit of brownie points <laughs> with exactly. mom. Uh, oh yeah, she's gonna love that one. So shout out mom. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the fam listens in. But um, so you end up in South Carolina, right? Pretty, pretty easy transition once you got here, I guess. Or what was there? Let's ask it like this: Was there a moment? in spring ball or even in you know winter workouts where you're like kind of looking around like all right uh you know i can do this but I, i've got to kind of take it to another level with the the athletes around me basically yeah that that started from the first day of, of winter workouts you look around and um the talent the frame on guys it's it's a different um you know it's a it's a different animal and so uh, there's really the, the Ivy League doesn't get enough respect in, in how uh, the quality of football that's played there. And there are really good players uh, who could come down here and compete for spots in the SEC without a doubt. But I'll tell you this, the difference is all 11 guys on the field are SEC guys. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you'll have three or four on the field at, uh, in an Ivy League game, um, but all 11, you know, are fast. They're physical. They're smart. They're, you know, they're... Uh, uh, just a, a full package type player, uh, and so coming down here, like I said, when, when I first um, when I first started the winter workouts, I knew, hey, listen, I got to be on my game because um, I'm playing high quality football here. Can you think of a guy like within the first couple days, a few guys where you're just like, dang, look at that guy, you know, um, like athletically, physically? Yes, I. Uh, <laughs> so Debo Williams, uh, at linebacker, he. Uh, he definitely hit me uh, pretty hard a few times. Um, and then I, I've seen on film, um, but I didn't get a chance to play because obviously he was injured during the spring, but Tonka Hemingway, mm -hmm. um, just how dynamic he is on the interior. Uh, and then Nick Barrett, uh, he's about 330 pounds, <laughs> and I'm playing center and guard, and he's, you know, rushing right down, um, you know, at me. So that, that was definitely difficult to adjust to, but definitely got some good work in. Did you see in the film from last year where Tonka's catching passes on uh, special teams? I've, I did, and I also saw where he played about 95 snaps versus Notre Dame and never came out. So He's he, really He's good. special, man. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's, like, developed, too. Like, he's a guy that's come in, you know, kind of highly recruited, but just every year step forward, step forward, step forward. Um, how much, uh, how beneficial has that been for you? Uh, obviously, Tonka wasn't out there, but there's a pretty good group on the defensive line just – uh, battling with those guys every day in spring ball. That's where you get better, right? Every single day in practice, you go against these guys and, um, you know, TJ Sanders and, and um, a, a ton of other talent as well. You just get better. You hone in on your technique, and, you know, it's beneficial for everyone. They're getting great work too, hopefully. All right, going to take our first break here on the Garnet Trust Hour on 107.5 The Game. Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell with you here in studio with Gamecock Football's Nick Gargiulo. Be right back on the other side. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. All right, welcome back into the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios. 
We're with Gamecock football's Nick Garzullo. Uh, first segment down, Nick. Good stuff. Uh, you're a natural at this. Uh, tell us about your previous ra- – so you said you did some, like, sports radio interviews. Like, what What was that? Like, when you were up at Yale? Yeah, I don't uh, – first off, I don't think I've ever been in this type of studio before. Yeah. But, um, you know, various forms of interview, you learn how to – you learn how to schmooze a little bit and and, and, <laughs> and talk nice and clear. and So I, I think I learned a few things, hopefully. Now, you were at Yale. You have a finance degree. Is that right? I got I get that wrong? an economics degree, economics um, degree. which uh, a similar path, but it's a liberal arts school, so you're not getting that... Uh, you're not getting that business or finance degree there. What What are you thinking about doing once football's done with that? I uh, I haven't thought about it too much, which I know will stress my mom out uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit, but... Um, I could definitely see going into some sort of banking or, um, you know, private equity or, or, or something. That's what a lot of my friends are doing now. Um, and seeing how they enjoy it, it maybe something I'll be interested in. What's the, uh, coolest job that one of your like former teammates has now? The, uh, I think the coolest ones are the ones that left their jobs to do startups. So I, I know a couple that, uh, had opportunities at Google and Microsoft and Tesla and all that. Um, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm leaving to do my own tech startup, and you're like, oh geez. So yeah. <laughs> shout out Shayona Amonaje. Hopefully he uh, he uh, tunes in at some point. <laughs> yeah, so they're working on their Series A or whatever yeah. right now instead of yeah working at Google. Yeah, well if, if he wants to come on as an advertiser, we got a spot for him here on this show. <laughs> uh, he can be a sponsor. We'll happily accept him. Um, has anything surprised you about Columbia or South Carolina or SEC ball so far? I don't think I've been surprised, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, just because I've had this surprise in the past five years that I spent mm-hmm. um, playing college football. I'll tell you this. When you first get in uh, to your first college practice and experience, it is so overwhelming. Um, as you're 17 years old or you know, maybe some guys are 18, and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm not cut out for this at all. <laughs> uh, and he, that's you know something that I experienced. But as you get older, you realize, hey, everyone – Everyone has this feeling, and, I, and I'm not alone in it. So um, coming down here, I, I think I've, I've had a veteran approach almost. What did you weigh when you got to Yale? When I got to Yale, I was 262 pounds. When, and then I played most of my – so I played left tackle uh, for the first – our season was canceled during COVID. So the first three and a half, four years, I played left tackle. My senior season or my um, you know last season there, I played center. Um, and then obviously down here, I've been playing a mix of guard and center. But uh, I finished my Yale career playing at about 300 pounds. So it was a, a nice 38-pound gain. Um, and, you know, I think uh, this will get some reactions on radio too. I'm about 325 right now. Uh, so a lot of people were, were a little concerned that I wasn't going to weigh enough to play SEC ball because they were looking at my 270-pound uh, recruiting profile from when I was in high school. <laughs> Uh, but I think I got enough weight to, uh, to get it done in here. That, that was about 60 pounds ago, Yeah, basically. Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, the picture of Cody Mouch, the, uh, the guy who's playing for Tampa Bay? He was, he, he's at North Dakota State. He, he started his career at tight, at tight end, and he was like 225 pounds, and now he's like 315 in the NFL. you got to see the comparison. It's hysterical. The, yeah. the craziest one ever is Lane Johnson. Right. Yeah. Lane Johnson from the Eagles. Have you yep. seen his? So his old recruiting profile, I'm going to pull it up and show you at some point if I can get it to pull up. He was out of high school, a 202-pound quarterback. 
Jeez. And now he's Lane Johnson, which I guess he's probably, I don't know, 315 playing left tackle in the well, NFL. I'll tell you what, it's the it's the O-line philosophy. You want guys that are athletes. You don't want to um you don't want to recruit a, a a heavy guy who can't move out of high school. It's it's not um it's not conducive for uh, their long-term growth. So you get a guy who who's a little bit lighter, who's way more athletic, who's got ankle, hip, knee mobility, and then you mold him into uh, a big guy. Well, I mean, speaking of bio photos, Nick, uh, <laughs> have you taken a hard look at, at your Gamecocks online bio? I uh, I love it, by the way. Were, were you mad at the cameraman, or was this just I, a... He was begging me to smile, and I told him, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So if you guys, if you want to laugh even harder... If you look at, uh, if you go to the Yale website and look at my initial photo um, to my last, uh, to my senior year roster photo, you guys will get a, a good laugh. I think I've seen that because I think, so when your name popped up, like we cover recruiting on Gamecock Central, hey, this guy from Yale, you know, Nick Garjula, Google, but I think that's the first thing that pops up. And I'm like, well, Carolina's got to sign this guy. <laughs> The, my my dad uh, my dad always found it hysterical on Twitter when I when I entered the portal um, all the replies on Twitter like this guy looks like a killer uh, <laughs> we got to sign him on his looks alone why you know uh, this guy looks like he's forty five <laughs> for the record how old are you Nick? I'm twenty two you're sure yeah <laughs> certificate for, yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking at his birth yeah. certificate right it's now it's written with pencil in yeah. it. <laughs> Here's the uh, here's the Lane Johnson comparison, by the way. This is him. Obviously, radio listeners oh can't, but, but that's him. 202-pound quarterback and whatever he is now, 320. Do you remember we saw him on the field, Wes, that year? He was, for some reason, working out he worked in Columbia. Out, yeah. yeah, in Columbia. He, he was down um, at the facility, and I was like, who was that yeah. giant moving like that? Yeah, but, but, Nick, you're right, man. You see more and more guys drafting the first couple of rounds, and, you know, ESPN will run the little story, and they – tell you where they're from, tell you their path or whatever, and it'll be this 222-pound tight end, and they redshirted, yep. they transitioned to offensive line, and they put on, like, 80 pounds yep. during their time in college as opposed to being, like you were talking about, a 340 guy in high school that's having to take a completely different path, I feel like. I, I've heard from, from O-line coaches, they look for guys who obviously play football but who are basketball players who, mm. you know, run track even big guys who run track or, or throw shot put and stuff just to see you're the complete athlete and the complete package so it definitely gives guys an advantage yeah. so uh coach teasley and adkins you got a wealth of knowledge uh with both of those guys here at south carolina what has maybe stood out to you most just kind of soaking that up and learning from those two guys so far i mean they have so much knowledge and and so when i when i committed here um, and this wasn't too long ago, obviously. Coach Atkins was still the, I guess he had the title of mm -hmm. offensive line coach, but um, Coach Teasley was running the room, and obviously um, Coach Teasley's now taking it over, but he has so much knowledge, and, and his philosophy is like, hey, I'm going to give you a toolkit. I'm going to give you things to do in, in run pro and pass pro, um, and then I want you to go make it your own and, and utilize what works best for you. And so he's a player's coach. He's a great, you know, a, a great leader. Um, and, and just hats off to him. If you look, uh, at his coaching trajectory over the past five or, or six years where he's gone, um, in such a short period of time, he's a SEC O-line coach and, um, we were talking about it. He was at New Haven, um, coaching D2 football six years ago. So it's wow. like, yeah. what a, what a incredible trajectory so far.
Yeah, and I think he really proved himself right because he had the opportunity to step in for Adkins part of the 2021 season and obviously a good half of last season. And all the recruits we talked to, man, really liked him, really liked Teasley. And so I think that, you know, Coach Beamer kind of saw something in him mm-hmm. and, and he proved himself recruiting and coaching and now gets this opportunity. So tell us positionally, you mentioned earlier, and we saw some of it in the spring, center and guard is what you focused on. Now you played center at Yale your last year. You played some left tackle, as you said. Did you play guard any at Yale? No. Okay. So I'll tell you this. There is no debate, and I uh, hopefully it'll bring some perspective to this. Tackle is the hardest position on the offensive line. Center, you know, it gets a it gets a rap because you got to make some calls and uh, you got to snap the ball, but it's definitely easier than tackle because at tackle you're on an island almost <laughs> always. You know, maybe you'll get some help in, in when you're running gap scheme, but – if you're in pass protection or, or most run plays, you're one-on-one. And so, uh, you know, the transition to center was different because, hey, you got help on both sides, which made guard, you know, I, I think guard is the, the easiest spot to play because you got help on both sides. You don't have to make any calls. You could just go off and uh, and play fast, play physical. So I, I've been enjoying it thus far. And um, obviously position versatility is something that's valuable in the O-line room. So I've been embracing it for sure. I think that's something Beamer and Teasley Atkins, they've all talked about the last couple of years is you don't necessarily, it's not necessarily who's the next man up at a specific position. It's what gets the best five out there. And um, so you came in, I think we were all penciling in like he, first of all, the guy's coming from Yale. He's got to be smart. We're like <laughs> they need a center. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, he's going to be the starting center. And then you did, it seemed like when we were out there for the open portion of the practice, you played quite a bit of guard in the spring do you know kind of what that split was was it 50 50 or is it just kind of i think so there was definitely uh so the other center is obviously uh Vershawn lee mm-hmm. um we definitely were just getting work spring ball is a time where uh this people hate to hear this because all they want to know is who's the starter who they want to know the depth exactly chart they love they, lo- yeah. they love it <laughs> um but spring is just a time for everyone getting working and so you want to the unfortunate reality of playing offensive line is someone's going to get hurt multiple people are going to get hurt some guys are going to miss you know three four games and be able to come back so you need to build um you need to build continuity with everyone in the room uh because at some point they're going to play uh and and so that's what we were doing most of the spring and which i assume we'll do uh for the majority of fall camp until uh we're up in charlotte so there really isn't a depth chart (laughs) coach beamer has been telling us uh the depth chart does not exist it doesn't matter he's been trying to pull that one over on us the uh so we have uh, our our player personnel guy uh derek moore we call him demo he likes to say the depth chart's written in pencil so okay. right now the depth chart's written in pencil and even if i gave you the pencil version i don't think i'd be a south carolina football player tomorrow so i can't give out any <laughs> secrets but it does exist it's just in pencil. <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder if you go into the office i won't even make you answer this i wonder if we go into the offensive line meeting room if there's a depth chart in pencil. <laughs> uh, i feel like there probably i feel is. like there probably is the uh the, the depth charts come out uh, right before practice. That's basically what you say. Hey, period one, I'm going to be the, the one center. Period two, I'll be the one left guard. Uh, period three, I'm back to center. So it, uh, it um, definitely is just fluid. Yep. All right, right up against the break. We'll be back on the other side. I, ha- I actually have a follow-up on, on the depth chart question, Nick. So we're Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here on 107.5 The Game. Garnet Trust Hour with Gamecock Football's Nick Garjulo. We'll be right back. 
It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. All right, welcome back in. Garnet Trust Hour here in the Herndon Chevy Studios, 107.5 The Game. Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell hanging out with you for about 30 more minutes. We're here with Gamecock Football's Nick Gargiulo. A little depth chart or non-depth chart talk in the last segment. So what I what I just thought of when you are talking in the last segment about, like, the depth chart is, like, remember, like, uh, in youth sports or, like, in school or, like, even in the movies where they, they take the piece of paper and they post it on the wall and then everybody's trying to go look at it? Like, how do y'all get the practice script where you see it? Okay, I, in period one, I'm the first team guard. Like, how do you get that? Wes, is he trying to get me in, tr- is he trying to get me in trouble? No, Does he I, want me to get thrown off the no. team? <laughs> no. well, I, first of all, <laughs> let, let me just say, Nick, I think you're too valuable to the O-line for next year. You could say anything. actually get thrown off. So the depth chart has been a running joke with us, too, yeah. because um, because Coach Beamer likes to say it doesn't exist, <laughs> but then he also would say things like, ah, it's fluid, and we're like, well, if it's fluid, it, it does exist. Yeah. You need Coach Limbo to give you a, a, you know, describe what that is in philosophy yes. terms, yes. and he'll be able to. Um, but to answer your, your question, Chris, the uh, – how we get all that information really just matters about efficiency in practice, right? You only get, let's just say, two hours out on the field. If you're, um, you know, if you're not uh, efficient in your movements and, and what we're doing and how we're doing it, uh, you just waste time. And obviously we don't have a, uh, we have a lack of time uh, out there. Yeah. So um, it's just trying to be efficient and, and get everything done. How do you as, so you're, are you you're going to be doing grad school? Obviously, what are you focusing on in grad school? By I am um, I'm going to be getting my master's in sports management. So okay. I'm about seven classes in right now. Good deal. So you obviously are pretty busy. So how how do you manage? You can go back to Yale or here at South Carolina. How do you manage your time? Because you don't have a lot of time. You don't have what you need really to practice and train. But it's still a lot. Like it's a big commitment. Yeah, I think it all comes down to priorities. That's re- that's really what it is. I I. I love football. Um, I really see the value in academics as well. Um, and so those are, those are my two priorities. Obviously, I, I, I'm a big family guy as well. Um, so when you look at those three things, they're, they're pretty time-consuming. So there's not much room for uh, much else. Um, but I try and do a really, really good job at those three things because um, that's what I value. So you were talking earlier about when you were coming in as the new guy, as a freshman back at Yale, and, you know, you're kind of swimming a little bit. So next week, there's going to be a lot of guys in the O-line room. And I think a couple of them I saw on Twitter have already arrived on campus. They're going to be in the exact spot you were, you know, four years ago, basically five years ago. And so Marky Anderson already went through this back in January. I feel like you, though, probably have some knowledge you could impart on the new guys. Uh, do you plan to kind of be that guy to maybe help them through the transition a, a little bit? And uh, what what would you tell them or what will you tell the, the new guys coming in that are going to be like just uh, hit over the head in the next week or so? Yeah, I, I believe it's the responsibility. That's why veteran leadership is so important. I think it's the responsibility of the older guys in the room um, to, to bring the younger guys up to speed, to help them, to be a resource for them. Because um, that's, what, that's what the older guys on, on my team did for me. Um, mm-hmm. They took me under their wing and, and showed me the, the right way to do things and um, made the transition much easier. Because you got to remember, these kids, uh, while it's difficult physically, it's going to be their first time away from home, too. So they're, they're looking for some sort of support. So I think that's what I'll try and provide to them and, and 
um, it makes it way easier when they are willing to learn and uh, and want to learn. Um, so, so hopefully those guys come in with that mindset, and, and it'll make the transition easier. I remember we talked to Trey Knox. Um, I think it was before spring, Wes. Yeah, mm-hmm. before spring ball. So he'd gone through winter workouts, right? And he'd been at an SEC program at Arkansas. But we were asking him about the workouts with Coach Day, and he was like, I remember the first couple of days, I was like, what is this? Like, did you have any, uh, not the physical part, right, but just mentally, like, hearing Coach Day talk, he's a different dude, right? He's not your typical, like, strength coach to me. Did you feel like it was way different? Did you have the same, like, what is some of this stuff, and what is he talking about? I've had excellent strength coaches my um, my entire career, really from from high school on. But um, Coach Day is, like you said, he's different. But he his style of leadership is he creates a vision for us, right? And 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 um, and he explains it really well and in depth. And then he asks us to go do things that align with that vision. And so um, while his workouts are unorthodox, and you'll be doing a lot of things that. Um, maybe you've never done before. It's for a purpose, and it's for a clear, explained purpose. And so um, I've really enjoyed it because I've been experienced with the the Olympic-type lifting and all that, uh, you know, all, all that style of workouts. And then Coach Day brings this uh, approach of strengthening things you wouldn't think of, like your, your core or, or your, your hamstrings, your hips, all these different things that uh, for an old lineman, you think, oh, hey, look, I'm just going to squat and bench and get as strong mm-hmm. as I can, and then you can't move, as opposed to Coach Day is like, hey, listen, we're going to focus on your ankle mobility here, and you're like, what is this guy talking about? And then all of a sudden, you're performing better. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've been enjoying it. So uh, we, we get a glimpse at some of this stuff. They put the videos on Twitter. Um, you weren't here last year when they did. So the grit day last year, they just, like, I think dropped them off in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina, and I think they had to crawl back to Columbia or something. <laughs> this year, they're out there digging stuff into the ground, and um, y'all are pulling up buckets and running them to Williams Price. We've asked multiple guys about this so far, but what, what did, had you done anything like that before? What do you think of that? We had similar, uh, you know, the way I like to think of it is that's not a workout. That's a toughness drill, right? Mm-hmm. It's just who's going to quit first or who's going to, um, you know, who, who doesn't want to strain till they can't strain anymore. Uh, so I've experienced some of that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a little mad at Coach Day because he didn't release the uh, results of, uh, of the grit night. So I think you'd see a familiar name up there with uh, me and, and Connor Cox finishing that, uh, finishing that uh grit night first so I, i'm I've, I've chirped him a little bit for it um but definitely uh definitely a great experience and then really what it boils down to is team bonding you, you want to be able to say um i've went through really tough times with these guys so when really tough times come around you're you're familiar with it and and you're comfortable i i feel like that's kind of fun right like it's i, I know in the moment it's one it's one of those things i feel like like some people go run a marathon and I never want to run a marathon personally, but I, I get it. You know, like there's certain, there's certain grueling things, especially if you're doing it with your teammates, like with your brothers that may not necessarily be everybody's example of fun, but completing it, there's a certain, almost a natural high that comes along with that. Like, did, did you get that with the, um, the grit night this time or? Wes, I totally agree. I, I think the, if you're a competitive person and, uh, and you enjoy things like that, it is a blast. Some yeah. of the some of the uh, unorthodox things you're thinking, like a lot of guys 
a lot of guys are going to try to find the easy way out here. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to see if I can be a maniac and go straight through. Um, so I definitely, I especially enjoy that. And, and like you said, there's some fulfillment there in finishing it. I, I remember after the grit night, I, I, I called my brothers, uh, and I explained it to him and I was so fired up. I was <laughs> like, you guys will not believe what just happened. <laughs> so Wes and I always like anytime newcomers get to campus, whether it's a, a freshman or especially nowadays transfers like yourself, you always start to hear things trickling out about certain guys that are doing well. And you, you were one of them you know, that we consistently heard some good returns about and um, ability to contribute and how you were. But you, I'm, I'm not going to say I heard maniac like you just described, but we heard some interesting adjectives to describe you, like, because you're just a a nice, like, even-keel guy. But on the field, like, do you kind of flip a switch a little bit? I try to. I, I Like I uh, like I said earlier, I, I try and approach the game violently because um, I think that's what you have to be as an offensive lineman. No one... No one likes the offensive lineman who's soft and gets blown back off the ball. You want the guy who's driving someone 15 yards down the field and pinning them on the floor. That's what that's what you look for in offensive line play. Obviously, when you're not looking at the skill positions, uh, um, but that that was been my whole approach. And uh, as we spoke about, there's um, this pressure to go from the Ivy League to the the SEC. You got to prove yourself. So every single day, I wanted to. I wanted to prove myself by straining a little bit longer and 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 playing as hard as I could. So, yep. so yeah, maniac. Basically, <laughs> what, yeah, what word yeah. would you use to describe <laughs> yourself on the field? Do you have one, or I would, everybody else decide? That? Yeah, I, I think that's up for the viewers to decide. I think we <laughs> should we should maybe see some tweets about it or something. Okay, alone. there you go. Send out a poll. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think I heard maniac. I do think I might have heard like crazy. Like, is that, is that, <laughs> that's a compliment to you. I think it is. Yeah, you know. it's got to be so a compliment too. for definitely for an offensive lineman. Yes. Like, there's a couple positions. Like, I feel like linebacker. Yep. You want crazy. D-line, definitely O-line. Yeah, nobody wants, oh, yeah, this O-line guy here, completely even killed. On the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just yeah. mild-mannered yeah. like, on the field. Yeah, you don't want, like, that quarterback is crazy. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah, O-line, though. O-line, that's what you want. You, you, want, you want your quarterback calm under pressure. You want your O-line bringing the pressure. That's what, yeah. you're, that's what you're looking for. That's a good one. You, yeah, you go. you're putting it the right way. All right, one more segment on the other side with Nick Garzulo from Gamecock Football. This is the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. All right, final segment with Gamecock football's Nick Gargiulo. I'm Chris Clark. Wes Mitchell joining me here in the Herndon Chevy Studios. You're listening to the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. So, Nick, some of your teammates um, want to ask you some questions about them. Wes actually invoked the name of Marky Anderson earlier, uh, a freshman, and you're talking about some of the movement skills that offensive line coaches like to see in offensive linemen when they're scouting them. Marquis moves really well. T- tell us, kind of give us your scouting report on him from what you saw this spring. I am so impressed with, with Marquis Anderson. I think he's going to be a fantastic player here for the Gamecocks. Um, I'll tell you, his strength is the power in his punch. I, I don't know, obviously I don't know what he's thrown around in the weight room, but I'll tell you this, when he's in pass protection and he throws his punch, you feel it if you're a D lineman. Like you're, you're almost. Hey, I got to counter this before he gets his hands on me, or I'm gonna be on the sidelines with uh, Clint Haggard doing, you know, <laughs> doing rehab. Um, and so I think uh, obviously uh, he's just gonna continue to grow and get better and put on muscle and um, improve his athleticism. He, he's just gonna be um, a real force. And you mentioned it earlier, but 
the uh, the talent that Coach Teasley's bringing in with these young uh, O line classes is is nothing short of incredible. So I think there's a lot of hope um, for the the South Carolina O line, obviously for this season. Um, but looking into the future, you got some real real talented prospects. You obviously talked earlier about your plans after ball, like off the field. Has, has coaching crossed your mind? I mean, just listening to you talk, I feel like you got a little. Uh, Maybe there's a coaching bug in there. You got now. You got to love it to be a coach. Like it is obviously a grind. Has that crossed your mind at all? Uh, without a doubt, I definitely don't think I want to stray too far from the game. I want to mm-hmm. play as long as I can. And then you see all these guys once their career's over, um, they just want to get back involved in some mm-hmm. matter, and whether it's broadcasting or coaching or or, or something. Um, definitely crossed my mind, and y- you see the difference that coaches have on the trajectory of you know kids and college students careers it's it's remarkable how impressed with you another teammate question how impressed were you as soon as you got to campus and you just saw Spencer Rattler throw the football like his arm strength I, I mean he is he is fantastic I think that I, there's no way to accurately describe um, you know his talent and then uh, I think he's a he's a fantastic leader as well he he, um, he commands the offense he's um, a real cerebral cerebral player in a sense of he knows if anyone goes to him about something on the field he knows what everyone's doing and I just can't imagine obviously I know what five guys are doing on the field but now all of a sudden I got to know 10 other positions no way so give him credit there I know uh coach Loggins comes in and uh you know brings in his offense and one thing we've heard is they want to be QB friendly want to be O-line friendly um have you I guess uh seen it to be a pretty smooth transition for you as far as like what you did at Yale schematically and then what is being asked to the offensive line within this scheme yeah without a doubt there's only so many ways that you could run power there's only so many ways that you could run inside zone it's all very similar but um what you get from logins is just a a a presence almost You, you know uh his experience in the nfl and the highest level and the success that he's seen and then you're all of a sudden you're like oh my god this guy's in the same room he's my coach you're I, I mean i i know i've definitely been grateful for it um but he's an even better person too so it's been uh it's been a real easy transition so d- don't give away i know we almost got you in trouble earlier or there was a possibility of it but so don't <laughs> give us too much away but you know it, there has been a lot of talk about like identity of the offense and what it's going to look like and Loggins and Beamer have even said, hey, we're going to kind of take the spring, and you got to kind of figure some things out, right? Like year one of him installing the offense, but but what did you see schematically from it? Get, don't give us too much, but give us, I don't know, a hint. I uh, I, I wouldn't say um, schematically i give you anything. What what you're trying to forge in the spring is an identity of, of who you guys are. So I'll tell you this. We're going to be a physical, physical offense, and we're going we're, we're gonna to strain – um, to and through the whistle. That's what you're trying to build. And so you got to, um, those habits come out uh, over the course of the spring. But it really, if you're, this is going to sound a little backwards, but this is my offensive line perspective. If you're building an identity around scheme, you're, you're in the wrong business. You got to build an identity around culture and core values. And so if you're aligned on offense with your culture and core values, you could run whatever scheme you want. You're going to be successful. I uh, see why you picked Shane Beamer. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like you yeah, just that was a- gave the description <laughs> of the overall um, brand of mm-hmm. the program at South Carolina. Um, maybe that's what you saw in those first 30 minutes, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. when you visited here. 
But um, one thing about this show, we like to give the fans a little glimpse at who you are away from the field as well. So um, if you're not playing football, you're not working out, you're not eating mom's uh, eggplant farm. <laughs> so it, it can't do any, it can't have anything to do with football or getting ready for football or anything like that. What are you doing with your free time? Are there any secret hobbies? Uh, just uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. There is a new hobby. Okay. Uh, oh, and like this so, is going. so I started golfing. And golfing is a, is a microcosm of playing center um, as far as snapping. So you got to approach your, you got to approach the ball the same way. You got to grip the club the same way you grip the football. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking uh, at sort of an escape from football. And all of a sudden I'm just playing again. Um, <laughs> but I went up, I went up and I, uh, I saw Tom over at party, a little shout out there. I don't know if I'll get you in trouble with your sponsors, but, uh, but uh, he's been fantastic. I got a few lessons from him, and and so I've been trying to uh, I've been trying to get on the, on the course. Um, I haven't got out there in a, in a couple of weeks, but I'm going to get back out there. So has the football team gotten the golf bug? Apparently. Like I feel like this is coming up a lot. Yeah, I uh, I've seen Spencer and Tanner and Stone and all them. They're uh, it's like they're their own you know foursome going out uh, uh, on the course. So I think. Maybe it's a way to bond away from the field. You know, that's what you got to look at it as. Have you seen Mitch Sheeter drive this thing? Oh, yeah. he, Him and Kai are a different breed. I, I haven't had the guts to go play with them. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to the driving range. Um, and I'm like, please don't come because I don't want you to see this. <laughs> Be picking you apart? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't, this is a raw product. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think Kai and Mitch and Hunter Rogers – Jack Mahoney, Boogie Huntley's gotten a little yep. into golf. Yep. Yeah, everybody we bring in here, like, what do you like to do? Oh, I've been golfing lately a yeah. lot. It's been crazy. Yeah, I heard Absolutely. Mitch and Kai. No, I guess they're, yeah. they're ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They're really good. You get a lot of answers if you ask who's the best. Like, there's a few guys that come up consistently, but there's there's some differing opinions there. I'll tell you this. Whenever someone posts their golf swing in slow-mo to Twitter or Instagram, they're a good golfer. That's just the... Because I wouldn't let anybody... See, I'm like blocking the cameras like, do not record this, please. <laughs> Making sure nobody's looking yeah. before, you, before you tee off. Yeah. I mean, is it is it that bad, Nick? Like, it's, it's just uh, well, not ready for public. It's, uh, it's not ready for public. It's a... Uh, I started about two months ago, so it is brutal. Right, well, well, have y'all seen the Charles Barkley? Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's better than that. Yeah, I'm I, just gonna I, say. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it is. <laughs> if you don't pause for like an hour in the yeah. middle of your swing, you're doing better than Charles Barkley. All right, do do us this favor though. So, by uh, how how long do you need on the swing? To, to get back by preseason camp, I think I will. I mean, I once these summer classes finish up, I think All you'll right. have to drag me away from before uh, game one. Let's make it the goal to post the golf swing. On the <laughs> oh, no. <It's> slow See, <laughs> listen, let's transition. Let's the, the three of us will go get around uh, a, a round in. I, I don't know if that'll ever happen if I'm posting that, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll go play because it sounds like I don't have to be nervous yeah, about There's the no judgment. I'm awful. Let, I mean, let's, let's do this. I will say this, though. This is the social media world, Nick. You can have 72 awful swings. All you need is one <laughs> yeah, yeah. to post on there and yeah. uh, look at my swing on, on social media. I'll so. put it into chat GPT and there try and get an artificial swing. There you yeah, go. Well, the Photoshop has the new tool now where you can <laughs> yeah. use anything in the background. So just show my there ball going yeah. off. All right, so one more off-field thing or maybe a couple more things here in our last couple minutes. So, obviously, you're here. Cool thing about NIL is you can do this now. Back in the day... Uh, you might have been suspended, or you definitely <laughs> would have been suspended. 
Um, so how's it been working uh, with the guys at Garnet Trust? And then just in general, tell us your thoughts on NIL and just being able to capitalize on that as a college athlete. Yeah, I've been working with uh, with Jeremy over at Garnet Trust, and he has been uh, nothing short of fantastic with me. And he, uh, it, it's really remarkable to see how much people care um, about supporting you and and uh, you know helping you achieve whatever goals you may have, personal, financial, or uh, uh, anything in that, in that aspect. But I was down in uh, I guess I guess over maybe not down in Charleston. Um, <laughs> doing the wing eating contest. So yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, saw any clips of that, but Vershawn Lee put on a clinic, what both uh, both home team events, and no one was even close. So uh, we had a great turnout at those events and so many Gamecock fans supporting us. Um, and I just appreciate it. That's just, um, you know, that's just what it boils down to. So how many wings can you put back? Well, I, see, here's the thing. I was looking around like, oh, I'm going to win this without it. I was confident, mm-hmm. and that I was – I couldn't be more wrong. Um, <laughs> I got through, like, 12, let's just say, and Vershawn had 25 deleted. And so I was like, what am I doing wrong? I get, And then I was like, we had two events. So after the first event, I'm in my apartment – and I'm like auditing how I was eating the chicken wings. I'm like, maybe if I get it, maybe if I get the meat off the bone, I could eat it quicker. We go to the second event, and he beats me even worse. So I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not cut out. Was for he it. like dipping them in water, like the hot dog guy? Like, no, <laughs> no, I don't they, feel like that would work. No, he wasn't. But but I'll tell you this: there's a something's piqued my interest at uh, at Jack Brown's, the burger spot. Yeah, there's something on the wall that says ten burgers is the record for most burgers eaten there. So I think at some point this summer I'm going to get down there. You think and you could take that down? I think I could do 11, without a doubt. They're, they're, if you do single patty, I think as an offensive lineman it would be um, wrong of me to not try. So I think at some point I'll be down there. Well, I'm just going to say that I have full confidence in you to do that. Chris over there looked at you. Yeah, like, wait, what was that, that about? I thought that maybe we build up a yeah. little equity yeah. here. Yeah. He's like, you think you can do 10 burgers is a lot. I feel like that's like that. Well, it depends on the size the of the burger. Like some depend. burgers have like the patties like that. Some burgers it's smaller. Have you, ever, yeah, have you guys been to Jack Brown's? Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God! What How a... much are they paying you for this? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I uh, I got to talk to them and get a deal going because <laughs> yeah, we we yes, Jeremy Smith, if you're listening, Garnet Trust. Yeah, let's make that. Ha- let's yeah, let's make, that make them pay for you to eat those burgers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then we'll film it and the golf swing. Uh, yes. All right. Unfortunately, Nick, we're about out of time. Wish we could do We'll have to do this again before yeah, preseason. This, is fun. We'll, we'll, this has been fun. We'll do it again. Appreciate you coming in, man. Absolutely, guys. Yes. had a good time, too. Uh, best of luck to you as you continue to uh, go through workouts here uh, in the summer. Best of luck to you off the field as well. All right, that's Nick Gargillo from Gamecock Football. For Wes Mitchell, I'm Chris Clark. You've listened to the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. <laughs>